HR professionals, business owners, and operations at all levels are struggling to figure out what needs to change. Our system has been shocked, practices have been questioned, and conversations are finally happening. We all know there has been a huge shift in what people want. Inclusion and diversity are common phrases, but often misunderstood. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about what's important for employees to be successful in life and at their job, and how companies can create an environment to allow them to do both. Because successful people will make up a successful workforce. I'm Leanne Lovely. Let's get this conversation started. From the day she died, to being let go from her 22-year career at Harley-Davidson, to having to shut down the iconic Everude engine brand, our guest Sarah Hannaway knows a thing or two about change, customer experience, leadership. Sarah has helped Fortune 500 companies grow and expand their brand, planned large-scale events, and launched too many products and programs to count. After almost 30 years in corporate world, Sarah decided, after taking many deep breaths and creating way too many pros and cons lists, to take a leap and leave to start her own speaking and coaching business. Sarah is passionate about shifting the conversation that businesses can make employees' well-being a priority while at the same time producing results. She loves helping her clients and audience realize the power that they have within themselves to push through discomfort and fear to get the change they desire and excel in life and business. While she loves what she does, when she's not speaking or working with clients, she can be found writing, running, cooking, breaking out in a dance party, or in her favorite role, which is being an aunt. Please welcome this awesome guest, Sarah Hannaway. Sarah, welcome. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Thank you, Leanne. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Your your bio, um, you know, obviously is like starts off with a bang. And so I'm sure that there's plenty of people who, you know, listen to that, you know, I died. Um, that's a that's a crazy statement to hear. So I'm really excited to have you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and your story. Like, I got to know. Yeah, it's um, it's a punch. It's how I um, start all of my presentations. When I speak to teams and organizations, I actually tell the full story of how I died. I'll give you a slight synopsis today um, because it really is the foundation for everything that I use in my life and business. And so uh, 25 years ago, a truck came into my lane and basically the accident reconstructionist said, if my car would have been over a fraction or a millimeter, uh, the truck would have went right over me and I wouldn't be here. So um, I was uh, uh, stopped on a guardrail. It took them about two and a half hours to get me out. They had to bring the jaws of life. I went to a local hospital where they then flight for life me to freighter, which is a big hospital here in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And I was there and this is where it gets fuzzy. Um, I was in ICU for at least a week, but it might've been 10 days. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Um, I was intubated. Um, I broke all my ribs on a flailing fracture on one side. I had a collapsed lung, so I couldn't breathe on their own. So, um, 
when the pandemic hit um, a few years ago, when people were talking about being on machines to breathe, I'm like, you don't want to be on one. It is not fun. Mm -hmm. I remembered it and I had a lot of vivid memories and it took me about two years to really recover from the the accident fully, like to feel more back normal. Um, You can't tell about me. I actually do have permanent damage. I have limited motion on my left side and I developed a heart condition because of that. So at the whopping age of uh, 30 something, I'm sitting in a cardiologist's office and all these little nice old people, which I have to be careful because I'm now one of them (laughs) are like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, yeah, you can't tell, but I have a heart condition. And really what that taught me is it taught me and became the foundation of everything I used for customer experience, which was my almost 30 year career in the corporate world, but also how to thrive and roll with change and really what resilience is all about. And so those are the things that I'm using in my new business adventure to help other people really push through the discomfort that happens with life. Mm -hmm. Life cannot happen without change. And our biggest struggles, as we all say this, end up being our most huge triumphs, Mm -hmm. even though they're really rough to go through. So I'm trying to use all of that knowledge and help other people as well. So yes, I did code twice. I forgot the important thing. I did code twice in the helicopter. That's how I say I died. I did not know that. Um, the the medics came and told me that in my room. I was like, I had no idea that that was not part of part of my knowledge. Right. Wow. That that is absolutely amazing. Well, I mean, not amazing that you had to go through. I mean, the recovery portion of that had to have been horrific. But the statement that just stands out to me is that um, the feeling of triumph after experiencing something that is so hard and it and it's so true the harder it is to get through something the more triumph we have the more you know wow moment that that at the end of it we go oh my god i i did that i made it through that mm-hmm. i survived that and for you mm-hmm. it truly was sur- survival it was it was it was survival but also at the same time One thing I noticed is you don't notice the progress you're making when it's something that takes that long. Like a year and a half after my accident, I was seeing um, a a specialty doctor because I just didn't have stamina and I still couldn't breathe fully in my left lung. And they did all the tests and the lung was fine. I'm like, it didn't, it just didn't feel right. And he finally explained it to me in a way of you aren't supposed to recover that fast. Your body went through a trauma And what happens when your body goes through a trauma is that it ages. He goes, even women who give birth, when you give birth, you're going through a trauma. And the reason every doctor says it takes a full year for you to get back into a rhythm for your body to get is because your body aged and went through a trauma. It can, it'll go back. And it did eventually he goes, but that's why you're tired. That's why when you work an eight hour day, you're, you're exhausted because you're still healing from that trauma. And it was that moment that I realized I had made so much progress because after the accident, I was back at work full time about six or seven months afterwards. And I I worked at Harley Davidson at the time. And so I went back during an anniversary, which anyone who works events, which I did, those are long hours. Thankfully, that one, 
I did not pull 13, 14 hour days because I, I physically couldn't. So I literally did a shift and um and that was the first time that I was back full, full in in full gear. Other than that, I was working part-time. And you don't realize the progress un- until someone else points it out to you when the journey is that long. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to help coach other people is so that you can see the progress because anyone who hears my story is like, what? I, I developed a complication about a month after going home to the hospital. And so the doctor's like, if you do not get up and move, um, you are going to have to have surgery. My lung was seeping fluid. And and it's like, well, that motivated me. I didn't want to have surgery. And I just started slowly doing things. And it started with easy little things. Like I walked up the steps. I rode the exercise bike for three minutes. And then the next day it was two. And then uh, two more minutes, so five. So those are the things that I started to learn going, well, that is progress. Right. And a lot of times, especially in the corporate world and the business world, we always measured progress at the end, mm-hmm. like, ooh, the, 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 the project launch, nice, go on to the next thing. And we would forget the milestones in between. And when I became a manager of people, because of my accident and knowing all those milestones that I did, I started making sure that we were paying attention to the little milestones so that when we got to the big thing, the team was already like, yeah, we launched it. That's great. But they knew they were making progress along the way. So that's what I mean by set up foundation for me to like really learn how to lead and be as a human being in this world, because you learn a lot really fast when you're not ready for it. And that's, you're so correct. You know, I'm flashing back to, you know, my audience knows that I have bipolar disorder. I'm flashing back to a time in my life where I was wildly unhealthy and I never really, um, you, you don't, you don't realize as you're going through in, in projects that you're doing, you, you get to the point where you're like, yay, we're, we've, we've gotten there. And it's such a, a brief fleeting feeling, especially in the business world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you celebrate it. And then you're like, your boss or whoever is like, okay, all hands on deck to the next one. And you're like, wait, wait, I don't even get to, you know, finish my drink. You know, I've got a whiskey here celebrating it. And they're like, yep, nope, nope, dump it out. Let's go. Yep. Um, But, and I look back on my history and I'll look back at pictures of myself when I was really, really unhealthy. And with somebody who has a mental health disorder, often you can see it just in, in their demeanor, the way they stand, Mm -hmm. the way they look, the way they, um, and I'll look back at pictures of myself and I'm like, wow, I didn't realize I even looked that way. And then you look at me now. And for me, when I was really unhealthy, I was extremely thin. I, w- I was under 100 pounds. And wow. there were times where I would look at pictures and I'd go, who is that? And my parents would go, it's you. And I would look again and go, oh my God, why didn't anybody tell me I looked so sickly? And they're like, well, we, we tried. And I'm like, well, what do you mean you tried? And they're like, well, we would, we would tell you, you need to eat. You know, you're really thin. You look really unhealthy. And you'd be like, oh yeah, I am really thin. Like I, I, and you would think it was a compliment. And I was like, oh, oh, because I was really unhealthy. I was really, and now I look back at that and go, wow, well, now I'm a little overweight. <laughs> I've gone the other way. Anyways, I'm happy and healthy. The mm-hmm. point being is that in life, in business and everything, you are completely correct. We don't celebrate the milestones. Mm. We celebrate the end, which makes the everything in between that much more difficult because you're like, oh, 
today was a really rough day. But what did you accomplish? Yep. Like some days you're like, oh, God, it was so hard. But at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. the amount of work that you got done or the amount of, you know, the fact that you've completed a huge portion of a project goes unnoticed because management wants to see the end result often. And they forget that within that end result, there are there are so many triumphs. Yeah. And for me, one of the things that I, I learned, um, and I was really good at helping other people, not always good for myself. So is that you can balance well-being while still producing results. Mm-hmm. Because from my accident, I was getting back. I mean, I started from having to learn how to have to sit up again you know, I had to walk again. I, I, I wasn't, I didn't have to relearn how to walk, but after not walking for 10 days, mm-hmm. these are all things, your muscles are like, screw you. We're not doing anything. It was much nicer laying in a bed. So you have to start all over and, and do all of these things or the little things you take for granted. Like I couldn't wash my own hair for the longest time. Like my mom had to come home and wash my hair. I mean, mm-hmm. none of us think about that when we get in the shower and I was like, eh, I'm washing my hair. And it's right. all of a sudden, like, I-, I still, to this day, every once in a while, I'm like, wow, you're washing your own hair, which um, sounds crazy. But because of that, I really learned that I wanted my team to have well-being, And that meant that I needed to help them recognize the little things or even recognize when they're having a bad day, like, Hey, you still accomplished something today. What did you accomplish? Or it would be things like you came to my office and finally we're done being on the hamster wheel of trying to solve the problem yourself. And you pulled the help chain. I'm like, that's a really great thing that you did today. Mm-hmm. Well, but I, you know, and then they'll be like, but I should have solved it. I'm like, you solve 90% of the problems, 10% you bring to me. Right. That's a good thing. These are the things that that we should do. And what happened is my team is like, well, wait a minute, my well-being matters. And I'm like, yes, we can still produce results. And we did. All of my teams had phenomenal growth. We did great things, both at Harley Davidson and BRP, but I balanced their well-being at the same time. And I was really passionate about that, but I find in a lot of corporations... It's exactly what you said. I want to see the end result. And then we don't even take time to celebrate that end result. It's like, great job. Okay, go. And it's like, no, 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 no. We take time to celebrate that as well. We have other work to do, but you can do both. And I firmly believe that is something that's missing in the corporate world Mm -hmm. is when you focus only on the end results and not on people as human beings. That's why we get quiet quitting. That's why we get the great resignation. That's why we have disengagement. And these are all things in my new business that I'm I'm trying to work with people on, especially new managers who've never led a team. Right. I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. And these are all things that it's like, well, I want to be treated as a human being, not as a cog in a wheel. Right. And it's and you bring up a, a really awesome point. The quiet quitting, the um, because when people, when people don't feel that their man, and, and I'm not saying that their managers don't notice, but the managers get so wrapped up in like, we need to produce, we need to get this out the door, we need to finish this project. They often, they also forget 
that because they're managers, you know, if, if those, if that's middle management and that we're not talking about sea level, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're middle management is also under the pressure to get this project done, get this project done, get your team to do this project. And then, you know, the C-suite is looking at it from a financial standpoint of we need to get this out the door so that we can get the next thing Mm -hmm. done. And they're not the ones actually doing the work. So when it's, when it's completed, their sense of, of triumph is very kind of subdued because they're like, okay, great. The team got it done. Let's move on to the next. So yep. they're not feeling so, you know, it, there's there's a, that missing link of, yeah, because the C-suite didn't go through the pains to get it done. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have that sense of, oh, great job. Great. It's the people who are actually doing the work and the people who are actually doing the work have the pressure from the top down. And the top yep. down, obviously, the higher up you get, the less the triumph is because they weren't in the in, you know, in the gutters doing the work. So, yeah. I think the manager level, which is where I like to focus a lot of, they get, I call it the screw. They get it from the top and they get it from the bottom because they're trying to support their team and they're trying to deliver the results. And, you know, in full candor, I was not good all the time with myself. Like my team would even tell me, you should practice what you preach Mm -hmm. because I was, you know, getting it from, you know, wanting to make sure we hit our, our goals, but at the same time, supporting my team. And I would have to learn the lesson over and over again, even though I was really good at doing it with my team. And I knew all this from my accident and my life and my career, I would be like, I would get to the point that I would be so exhausted. And it's like, you aren't practicing what you preach. And that is not a good leadership practice. And one of my favorite stories though, is uh, as I, as I moved up the chain in the corporate world, and I became a, a leader of people. I prefer leader of people than manager or supervisor mm-hmm. because I believe in a leader um, has power with people, not power over. I'm That's just my philosophy of leadership in general. And the term manager just is full of power over instead of power with. And when I became a leader, one of the things I promised myself is I wouldn't forget what it took of all the work that we do, because literally we would all say it. The C-suite is up in their office. Going, they don't do the work. They don't. They 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 don't understand what it takes. And a couple of years ago, I had someone on my team. She had just graduated college, so uh, brand new in the role, learning lots. And we were having a one-on-one, and I was like, I, I'm. I'm, I'm not understanding why you're struggling so much and what, why this is taking so long. And she looked right at me and she's like, you have had 25 years to do this. You can do what I'm doing right now in your sleep because you've done it over and over. I'm on year one, Sarah, I'm on year one. And I went, whoa, you are right. You haven't developed the innate skill to repeat this process over and over. Not the way, not the way I do it, but just the process in general. She's like, so it takes me longer. So if it takes you an hour, add an hour or two for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a good reminder. And then we would have dialogue. I'm like, well, how long do you think this would take? And and those kind of things, because it was one of those learning moments of yes, I can do something much quicker, but someone brand new can't. And my setting my expectations for her way up here wasn't 
a, a valuable one. And that's one I use as an example when I work with managers all the time, because we do that. We right. know how to do something so much faster. And we have um, the, um, I was listening to your uh, last episode where you said something that I say quite often, it's just faster for me to do it myself. Right. <laughs> and it's like, that is not the and, right philosophy. Right. And that's, and that's, as you were saying that, you know, that's what scares me about my own business, because I'm like, there's going to come a time where I'm going to have to turn over this work. And I'm going to have to put in the time and I'm going, you know, into that person. And I'm going to have to remind myself on a regular basis, because I, I'm not a control freak at all, by any means. However, I am a, um, very much a, it needs to be done in this way for this reason kind of kind of person like I want it done this way but I'm gonna have to start to let go of that a little bit and allow other people to find their way and and the way that works for them and I've been very successful at coaching other people coaching other people reminding them that you know hey you have you have to allow other people to find their flavor you have to allow other people to find their you know what really syncs with their brain but the actual doing it for my own business scares the crap out of me even though I know all of this I'm a highly self-aware person I'm I'm very aware of you know when I say something to somebody and all of a sudden something comes up and and I also you know have a tendency to say stupid stuff and I and I know it when I say it because I'll look and go oh crap the response to the, especially with my husband you know I'll say it and then I go oops that's not going to go over well <laughs> because I, I am I'm very you know very self aware and that and that's what scares the living daylights out of me is when I hire my first person for my own business. I know already the problems that I'm going to have, which is I'm I'm going to start off with the micromanagement of you got to do it this way. And then I'm going to go, no, 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 no. Stop, Leanne. Stop. Stop trying to micromanage. They can there. This is an adult who you give them the this is what I need. This is the end result that I need. Here are the tools to get there. I'm sure that you can figure out how to get the end result with these tools. You don't have to do it exactly like this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a doctor. I don't, they don't, I do, they don't have to cut this exact mark in order to not kill somebody, you know, there, and for me and for many, I know there's many managers out there who are the same way. Like you have to do it precisely. It doesn't always have to be done the same way as long as you're getting that same end result. And everybody always thinks that their way is the best. And not everybody is right because not everybody can be right. 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 (laughs) And so, and I know that I'm that much, you know, when my husband says it all the time, he goes, you always think you're right. And I'm like, well, of course I do. (laughs) Of course I do. But I'm also, I'm also always willing to take feedback from anybody. I love feedback. I love people who are willing to say, stop that. I don't believe that's the best way can we try it this way? And I'm open to that, but it has, I have to have somebody who's willing to match my, I guess my boldness, my tenacity. And there are a lot of people out there who don't match that, especially, and and I'll say in, in the, in, in the women's world right now, like Mm -hmm. there are a lot of women who are a lot more timid. 
than than me. I'm not a timid woman by any means. Sarah, you are not a timid woman by any mm-hmm. means. But there are a lot of women out there who still remain, you know, mm-hmm. are like that. And don't get me wrong. There are a lot of men who are timid, but there are less men who are and more mm-hmm. who are willing to stand up and say, nope, not going to do it that way. Let's talk about how we can do it a different way. It, that's just, you know, and, and I'm happy to see that the world is changing and I'm I'm going off on a complete tangent. But um, in the business world, that's just how it's been. And so I've, you know, again, I, I already see what my issues are going to be. And I hope that other managers out there are willing to, when you work with them, that they're open to seeing that they're open to understanding they're open. So, and that kind of leads me into my next question with you. You know, Mm -hmm. what are some of the areas that you focus specifically on when you go in? Do you do, you know, do you start off with speech do you start out or you know doing a you know talking points do you go in and, and coach large teams how do you engage and work with companies that's a really great question and you have so many good nuggets in what you just did so I'm gonna go off those it actually wasn't a, a, a bad tangent it's perfect um so when I work with a company it all starts like most of us uh do with an intake form and understanding what your needs are or your team's needs are. So there's a there's a process behind that chatting with you and then I share up what are the what I think are the best ways to go, but the managers I work with or the directors or the the leaders know their team the best. So I'll give an example. I just did um, a presentation to a team. They're going their company's going through a merger. And their leader reached out to me because um, she wanted to make sure they were taking care of themselves because we get so bogged down in the day to day. She's like, this is a big change. I know there's worry. Could you come in? And as we did the intake form, I told her, I said, well, you know, what would be ideal is to do like a two hour workshop with your team around change. And she's the expert of her team. And she's like, my team is really quiet and we're going to do this virtual and change is a heavy topic. Um, and, and so I, as much as I want to do a workshop, I don't think that'll work. Can you come in and just do a talk? I said, what if I come in and present to the team, but I do a worksheet before, so they have pre-work. So a lot of the exercises we would have been doing as a group was in that pre-work so that they could prime themselves for change. And we ended up having a, it actually was, um, an hour and a half. A long discussion. And we had a great discussion afterwards, but it was all about how they manage through change. So my two areas of focus when I work with businesses are either on change, um, whether it's in this instance, how you manage through change, or if your team rolls out a lot of things that change the work that your company does. So this team actually had that as well. So ironically, their questions at the end was the other part of the content, which is, hey, I have to roll out this change to this team. What do I do? So we spent some time on that Mm -hmm. um, as well, because those are uh, two different things, like how you manage your own change versus how you manage it with others. And then the other big thing I really work on and that I'm very passionate with is helping managers move from doers to leaders. So as you were talking, there were two two stories that jumped into my head. When I first became a leader of a team and I had people – a doer is a producer. You get stuff done. 
And all the skills you use as a doer, you still need as a leader, you just have to shift how you use them. So instead of solving all the problems, you're helping your team learn to solve the problems. So you're helping your team get those critical skills that you learned when you were a doer so that they can build up um, their skills. But when I first started delegating, and I share this when I when I talk or coach um, teams, I did not know how to delegate. I When I first delegated, I did exactly what you were talking about, Leanne. This is how I want you to do it. This is the order, blah, 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 blah. That is not how you delegate. You don't tell them how to do that. You give them, this is the end result I need. And for me, a lot of times I couldn't articulate what that end result was because I never had to do that because before I just got the assignment and I figured it out in my head and not to explain it. So my team would come back to me and I'm like, well, that's not what I want. And of course they spent hours on something. They're like, that's not what you wanted. And so I had to learn how to to do all that. So we spend a little bit of time on delegation. I told, and I'm still not always good at it. I have to remind myself that it doesn't have to be the way I do it. It we just need to have the end result. And the other thing you said that I coach people on is feedback. So one of the things that I hear a lot, especially from HR professionals, and I I get it because they're like because even the directors in the C-suite don't know how to do this is how do you give people feedback? And the secret is it has to be actionable feedback. Mm -hmm. And the other secret I talk about is two things. Feedback is subjective. What Leanne tells you to do and you move to a different manager, they're going to tell you the exact opposite Mm -hmm. because it's subjective. Feedback is not fact. I too enjoy feedback, but I have learned what to take and what to throw out. Um, be like, yes, here it is. But what I find is most managers don't give actionable feedback. They'll say something like, you know what? Um, you're, I'll use an example for me. You're intimidating. Okay. What well, what does to, that mean? Right. What am I supposed to do with that? And this manager didn't, and just said, you need to stop intimidating people. That does not help me. That does Correct. not give me anything. But I am a person who likes to figure things out because the last thing I want to do is intimidate people. That is not how I want to come across. Well, I started observing my own behavior and I realized what it was. In every meeting we were in, I talked first. Right. I spoke up and then people didn't feel comfortable. So then I just learned to, I'm not going to speak right away. I'm going to let others talk. Mm -hmm. Now, when it was something controversial, the team would look at me to then bring it up because they didn't feel comfortable. And that, right. that was not the same thing. And so then I learned, but that wasn't actionable feedback right. that, that that manager gave me. Or for 10 years in my career at Harley, I had a boss who we would do performance reviews and all he would do is give me a thumbs up and go, keep going. Uh, how, how does this help me? I mean, great. I'm, I, I'm assuming I'm doing a good job, but right. I'm human. I, I, I even know, like, I think my way is right. I know that's not the right thing. I can list out the mistakes I make because I'm pretty critical of myself. And so we spend a lot of time on feedback exercises and what is actionable feedback and how do you not do the sandwich method, which is you're really good, but no. So I actually um, invented something when I was at Harley because no one taught me how to do this, a process that I've carried throughout my entire career that, as a matter of fact, BRP started using it and sharing it with their managers. 
other managers at Harley did is I created this standard form process that I used with employees and it made it a dialogue. I actually asked them to tell me what they thought they did well on, where they're, um, where they met or exceeded expectations. Cause those were the words we used to see where they're at. So we could have a dialogue. So if an employee said, well, I exceeded here and I know the HR criteria or the company criteria for exceeds didn't meet that we could have a conversation up front going, Hey, you did great on that, but here's what exceeds means. And if you're looking to get exceeds, here's the things that we need to do. That's actionable feedback. Mm -hmm. So for me, what I do is I work with teams so I can do workshops. I can come in and present, or I can work individually um, with a team. I, I like workshops just because you can get other managers. You can Mm -hmm. hear different things, but I do a level of both. That was a very long winded answer to your question, but so here's so so I so I first day on the job a long time ago I and it probably wasn't the first day I'd met a new salesperson and this was I was early in my career and she walked up to me she introduced herself and then she went on to say a lot of people struggle um, working with me because they don't like me what <laughs> okay she then proceeded to say sometimes I come off as being harsh. Sometimes I, when I speak, I, I, I do not mean to. And I went, oh, okay. Now, I was really early in my career. I had no idea what that meant. As I continued to work with her, I thought n- numerous times, wow, that was really harsh. Like, wow, that was really brief. And I went, wait a second. But she told me, mm-hmm. she, she warned me of this, that there may be times where, and that she's not meaning to. Years later, what I realized was that she was completely self-aware that she sometimes rubbed people the wrong way, but that she wasn't fully sure how to change that or why. Because mm-hmm. nobody had really sat down with her and been like, well, this is why mm-hmm. um, you, you come off as being brass. You, you are very, she was also a very strong, very driven, very successful woman. Point blank. She, I, I learned from every time I would go into it, she was a salesperson. Every time I would go into a meeting with her, she would walk out practically with the sale. And I was just like, wow, this woman is, she was to this. She's still, she's still brilliant. So she's still around <laughs> talking in terms of like, she's not around. She's absolutely brilliant. She's self-aware of the fact that when she's just having normal conversation, that she does come off as being brass. She's. And because of that, when she meets new people, especially in the business world that she's going to work with on a regular basis, she lets people know, like, I'm not, I, I, that's not how I mean to come across. And I'm actively working on trying to get better at it. Okay, perfect. So her and I never had a problem, even when I was, you know, really young in my career, because she had told me, and I was like, all right. But other people were like, oh, I'm not working with her. She's, she's, she's mean. And I'm like, not really. She's not mean. She's just blunt. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I, my, my dad used to always say, you're horrible at politics. You're horrible at getting along at work. You're a bull in a china shop. You know, you got to get better at it. And I'm like, I don't know how. I'm just me. Because I've always just been one of those people like, <clears throat> 
you know, I'm, I'm the person that, you know, if you're standing in a group of people and somebody's got their fly down, I'm going to look and go zip up your fly. And everybody else is like, oh, like you just embarrassed him. Well, wouldn't it be more embarrassing for him to stand with his fly open than <laughs> to just tell him really quick, hey, zip up your fly. But there are people who will stand in that circle and never say it. I'm just the person who's like, I'll say what needs to be said, regardless of whether it needs to be said. Like, that's just always been my personality. Um, and so anyways, when you were speaking, you know, that was one thing that came to mind is that, you know, you can you can have a variety of different personalities, but if you are aware of it and you address it and you so you being intimidating you know, you, you became aware of it, you addressed mm -hmm. it and you figured out how to, and that's, I think the, that's, that's the only thing that matters is that, and then there are other people who are like, well, okay, I'm aware of it, but they never actively try to make a change for it. And that's where the problem lies. Mm -hmm. Like this woman knew it actively tried to figure out, well, how do I, how do I don't know exactly what I'm doing. She's just, you know, she was just blonde. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where people shine is that when they're willing to accept that, yes, and, and it has nothing to do with whether or not she really, let's say that she really was a, an asshole. It has nothing to do whether or not she really is or isn't. It has to do with the world and how they perceive mm -hmm. if she is, because her manager may have, may have thought, oh no, she's not brass at all. She's the greatest person in the world. She's selling everything. And she. Yes, she was. It's it only comes down to how everybody else in the world perceives the situation, mm -hmm. which is why you said feedback is subjective. Mm -hmm. And that's also why it comes down to do you have a good management team? If you have a manager who perceives everybody as being just amazing and great, your manager who's like, yep, yeah, just thumbs up, keep doing what yep. you're doing. Well, that's not that's not going to help you either. Because now you've gotten the perception that you're doing absolutely everything great. And then if somebody else comes to you and says, yeah, you really need to stop doing this, you're going to go, yeah, but my manager told me that I'm doing everything awesome. So just yep. simply saying, hey, you're doing everything great is not doing you any favors. And there are managers out there that do that too. But that also comes down to conflict, right? Mm -hmm. How do I give feedback, especially if that feedback is negative? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the, what, one of the probably biggest conversations that's happening within organizations right now is conflict management and how to provide that feedback, especially if it's negative. Yeah. And for me, I think words have power. Absolutely. And, um, and I'm not always good at it. Um, and so I try not to say negative feedback. I try to say constructive feedback. Or when I'm talking to my team or others, I'm like, what are opportunities for you? And one of the things that I tried really hard, and um, and this was more towards the end of my career um, because I'm very driven. I can be forceful. Um, uh, people would describe me as tough but fair. Mm -hmm. um, I tone police myself because I can hear my own tone, though I get a little worried about that because sometimes my tone isn't that bad, but it, it's, that'll get me down a rabbit hole. So we right. won't go. No, there. my tone too. My, um, my husband yells at me all the time. He's like, why are you preaching at me? And I'm like, am I? And then I'll go, sorry. Yep. I, yep. Sorry. Yeah. So 
what I wanted to set up is an environment where people felt safe making mistakes. I mean, think about it. As a human being, we don't like making mistakes. We don't like walking into our boss's office saying, I screwed up. Screw ups happen. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. I mean, Mm -hmm. my accident taught me that. Yes, it was an accident, but I mean, talk about lots of mistakes happening along the way as you learn my limits, like what I can and cannot do. Um, And so I wanted my team. So I started asking a question which made them feel very uncomfortable, which was, how did you fail? And so I'd ask it, uh, the way our reviews happened was every quarter. So how did you fail this quarter? And they're like, you really want me to tell you that? I'm like, it's not going in your permanent record. And yes, I want you. And all of a sudden, our it ended up not being every quarter. It ended up being, they were comfortable saying, here's where I screwed up here's where I need help. Here's what I learned. And then we didn't repeat those types of, and they started to self-learn, which also helped then make the conversations constructive. I'm a huge fan of crucial conversations. So you start with the heart and you Mm -hmm. start with mutual purpose. So if you're not going in with the understanding that you're doing this to help the other person grow, then you don't have mutual understanding. If you're going in with, I need them to do this in order to produce results for the company, that's not mutual purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, Mutual purpose is we want to create an environment where people feel engaged, productive, and balanced. Right. Okay. Yes. You still need to produce results, but so that is difficult to do. And I've also worked with people who are like, you only put all the negative in all the constructive in. I'm like, no, 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 no. We accentuate their strengths. And then we tell them the things they need to work on. And 98% of the time, the things they need to work on are their strengths. It's when they're not operating in their strengths. Right. Well, and you said something that companies is if companies are reaching out to you Mm -hmm. or reaching out to, you know, a training I would hope that they have the right goal in mind because if, if they're reaching out to you just for, well, let's, you know, have the, have the employees go through this program. And, Mm -hmm. and if they're only for the company and not for the employees, then there's a, there's a disconnect and they're never going to have a long-term workforce. They're going to continue to have Mm -hmm. turnover, first of all. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. and, and the other thing is, is that any company who does not understand that healthy, happy employees produce higher quality, more results mm-hmm. is, is not going to survive in today's world. Nope. There, there, it's just not, there's been a massive, massive shift and this mm-hmm. shift was happening. It's just been, you know, as everybody knows, the shift now just got compressed into a shorter period of time because of what happened with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And now with mental health being talked about mm-hmm. and people talking about the fact that they're struggling and so many people, we all now have a, a new relationship with alcohol. And so more people, you you mm-hmm. laugh, but it's no, with the pandemic, I mean, it's it's so many people started drinking more than they used yep. to, started, you know, it, it, so there's a lot more out there, people out there going, yeah, I need help. Like, I need to have a full life wellness, and that needs to, mm-hmm. to you know, start with my family and go in and, and go 
beyond that into my work and I need to have full life wellness. And it and it can't be I'm happy at home and then I go to this volatile environment. I need yep. to have an employer who actually cares about my my well-being and not working me to the point where I'm so exhausted that I'm becoming unhealthy. Um yep. And it's interesting because I had spoken to, you know, spoke with somebody else and actually multiple people. You speak to, you know, chiropractor, chiropractors or wellness coaches, wellness, um, you know, wellness facilities, people who are just on the outside of doctors, right, that work on preventative medicine. And all of them, all of them say the same thing, that if you are sitting in a fight mm-hmm. situation especially if you're, you know, at work, you're constantly stressed out, you're, you are never allowing your body to heal. And you will only continue to go down because it's all connected to your nervous system. And I'm not a doctor, so I could be saying this wrong. But, um, you know, my chiropractor says the same thing. I've spoken with somebody else who, you know, was an engineer and it and it's all the same thing. If you're constantly in the fight mode, which is Mm -hmm. where you would be if you're if you're going to a job you hate every single day and you're mm-hmm. miserable and you come home and you're miserable your body is that's where it's sitting it's sitting mm-hmm. in that f- for fight survival mode which means that you're never actually going to bed and fully healing which means mm-hmm. you're waking up exhausted which means that you're going to work exhausted which yeah. means you're not producing fully which means and it's just a negative cycle um, so for an employer to not understand that healthy, happy environment, healthy, happy employees produce mm-hmm. better quality, better results is just, it's, I wouldn't understand why a company wouldn't invest in the proper things for their employees. If you would have asked me, 10 years ago, I would have gone, well, I don't, aren't they doing everything they can? I mean, it's not like they're responsible for making sure that they're happy at work, maybe. Yeah. I, but- so I think a lot of companies say, so I heard this at, at both of the big companies I worked at, Harley and BRP, people are our competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. But even while I worked there, I'm like, if people are your competitive advantage, then you need to invest in them. And the first thing to go when you have budget cuts or, or things, you know, or you have to apply to the stakeholders. And, you know, I, I worked for companies that were on the stock market. And even though they say the stakeholders, we're not making decisions that way. We're making decisions that way. Correct. I mean, I, I run my own business now. I'm making business decisions based on, you know, some things that I'm like, oh, I, I, I kind of get it now why you might have made that decision. Mm-hmm. But it's the first thing that gets cut is the people stuff or the other thing that happens, which just happened on the talk with the team with the merger is because you're so busy producing, you feel guilty taking that two hours out of a team meeting to do something else, but you know, it produces results. You know, your team feels better, but you have to get through that. another team I talked to, um, uh, was my uh, a former team at Harley that I was practicing with. They knew right when I started my company, they got to meet the first group that I came to present to. So they were full on board. But the thing that they wanted help with is they're a team that constantly has a standard process 
but changes get thrown at them. And it's not going to change while they're trying to fix it up the food chain, those changes are going to happen. And she wanted her team to be able to, how can they react to that better? Cause it's going to keep happening. And I want my team to feel good. I want my team to know it's okay. When that happens, shut your computer down, go for a walk. I don't care what you need to do right. and then come back to it. So I think we're slowly getting there where, where people are are realizing well-being. I think, um, I think the pandemic helped with that, where we all had this moment. Um, I, I forget the name now. Uh, brain brain fog is coming into my head, but the the produce 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 mentality, the syndrome that we have mm-hmm. that we all have. You have to unlearn that. So, to the story right. you were talking about, you're you're miserable at work. You keep going. That's a little what happened to me in 2020 when the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. Is I, I I loved the people I worked with. I was great at my marketing job. I enjoyed doing that. I enjoyed the challenge. But every day I went to work, I was like, eh, what, what's going on? And my therapist said the best thing. And she was like, I, I was like, I want to quit. She's like, you can't quit today. I was like, but I want to quit. She's like, you can't quit today, Sarah. You have to do the work. And the thing that I see and I get a lot when I when I talk about a course or a program, if you work with me one on one, I'm like, well, this is going to take six weeks or this is going to take eight weeks. And I had a woman go eight weeks. And I'm like, you have to unlearn a lot in order for the change to 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 untake. So what the therapist was working with me is I was one of those people who believed that my success came from my achievements and I had to unlearn all that. I don't believe that anymore. Um, And I was slowly unlearning that already at that point, but I was still at this, um, if I'm not in a big Fortune 500 company, I'm not performing, all of this kind of stuff. And we had to undo all of that. And she's like, that's why you can't quit. Because if we don't solve that problem first with my therapist, and this was therapy work versus a coach work, right? completely different. And we worked on it for nine months and then I came to her with my plan and she's like, you can quit now. And and it, and the we, reason I shared that is it takes work. Correct. So even having me in for a talk is not going to solve. It right. takes work. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it, we get so set in what our own brain believes to be true. Mm-hmm. because of years and years and years and years of, of habit. And the idea that you can only be happy if you are this prestigious person working at a prestigious company doing this prestigious mm-hmm. job, that is that is the mindset of many people. Mm-hmm. But happiness, I, I've come to realize, is doing the thing that I want to do and being healthy and happy with my family. Mm-hmm. And, and that is for me to, the thing that I want to do is for me to design. Yep. And that looks different to absolutely everybody. If I want to go work at a fortune 500 company and that's my mm-hmm. passion, great. Mm-hmm. But if my passion is working at quick trip, great. Right. I'll go work at yep. quick trip. If my passion is owning my own business and all the stress that goes with it, mm-hmm. great for whoever, but it all starts with being healthy in in the head first and, yeah, and, and body I, which yep. um and and I think so many people get lost in the idea that there's this cookie cutter perfect person or perfect like 
design of what success is. Yep. Like there is, there isn't. Success is different for absolutely everybody. Yep. And you will hear and talk to people who have millions and millions of dollars who have gotten to the top, tippy, tippy top of, of owning, you know, billion dollar companies. And they'll go, I thought once I had gotten here, I would understand what true success is. And it was just emptiness. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, because true success has nothing to do with the ladders you climb. Yep. And, and so many people are now realizing that mm -hmm. because it, it doesn't, it's, it's all, it's, it's all about your happiness and not accomplishments. And we're coming to time. I wish that we could continue to talk about this, but we, <clears throat> we are absolutely coming to time. So I'm going to ask you the question of the season. Do you have any final thoughts on, on that though, before I cut you off? Yeah. So I would just say to that, that's what I do when I, the chunk of working individual coaching with people is helping them change the stories that they have in their head. Mm-hmm figuring out what is actual fact and what are just stories that you've learned or done and then rewriting that story of what you want to define right. and then giving them the skills when everybody else and the stories they hear is the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. And you said it brilliantly. What, what might work for you, Leanne, isn't going to work for me. Mm -hmm. Because when I left BRP, one of the things I said is I said, I don't know if I want this pace anymore. And the, the, the president of the company is like, I love this pace. I said, that's great. And that's right. great for you. It, it just might not be great for me mm -hmm. anymore. And there's nothing wrong with that. And he even agreed. He's like, I concur. There's nothing wrong with that. So you have to figure out for you, right. what's you. And that's what I help people do. And, and, and that's absolutely awesome because it is truly the lies that we tell ourselves mm -hmm. that we need to learn how to stop telling in order to find success and having somebody help us do that. It's mm -hmm. so much less lonely. Yes. So the question of the season, what do you think will go down in the history books from what the world has experienced over the last three plus years? Mm. I'm going to answer this in what I hope will happen. Um, I'm a grounded optimist which just means that through my life experience, I know we can get through a lot and we'll come around the other side. What I'm seeing right now is the pendulum is swinging all the way the other way. Um, and what I mean by that is when change is about to happen, transform transformational change, which is what happened when we went through the pandemic, when we all learned we could work from home, we could pros some people prospered and some didn't. Um, some people are still better in the office, some work, all of that. But when you go through transformational change, you get forces that hit each other. And that's what we're seeing now. Mm -hmm. We're seeing, we're seeing the a little bit of a generational shift, but we're also seeing people who've always done work the way they've always done work being questioned. And not understanding why everybody else doesn't work that way, even though we just did it for two and a half plus years. Mm -hmm. And it's because that is a transformational change in their mind. So I think we are on the cusp of another transformational change. I think what will happen in the history books, my hope is a couple of things. One, we all learn to slow down and that we will continue to focus on that slowdown and continue to see what works for ourselves and our well-being. 
Two, I think mental health is going to take an uptick and be more prominent. Um, I'm very proud of you for sharing your story. Uh, I used to not talk about my accident and I do now because I think, and I used to not tell people I'm in therapy. I tell everyone I'm in therapy because I think mental health is important. I hope and pray that um, our insurances get better. So more people, um, I have two friends who can't get into a counselor right now because there's, we, we we're at a loss for them. Right. Um, so I, I think that'll go on the uptip. I think we'll see more and more people talking about mental health mm-hmm. and balancing this need to produce and well-being. And I think that we're going to continue to see quiet quitting until people really put the walk with the talk, which is if you really believe people are your asset, then you need to invest in people. Mm -hmm. You have to invest in people as much as you invest in your product. So that's my hope for that. We'll start seeing, um, we'll continue to see the shift that it will continue. Um, and the pendulum will slowly come back and we'll find some sort of balance. Um, I think it'll swing the other way and then come and we'll find balance, but that's my hope over the next three years is that's what we learned. We learned that there are multiple ways that people can work and there's multiple ways that we can produce in society and that we all need to be healthy and well Mm -hmm. in order to be active participants in this world we live in. That was amazing. Extremely. I got goosebumps um, because I, I a hundred percent agree. Um, very well said. If somebody wanted to, <clears throat> excuse me, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, Sarah, how would they go about doing that to learn more about, um, you know, how to engage you um, for your services and that kind of stuff? You can reach out to me at sarahhanaway.com. That's my website and there's contact information. There's also all my social media handles. Um, most of them are like Sarah Hanaway official. Um, so you can find me on the social media as well, but my website is the best place. Excellent. Sarah, this has been such an awesome conversation. I appreciate it so much. I loved every minute of it. You made it so easy and fun. It was just, it was great. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.